Hello, friends. This is Michael from Hannigan Media, and I am here in the courtroom of Henderson County Judge Wade McKinney. How you doing today, Judge? Doing great, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. All right, guys, we're going to jump right into this because we have several really important things to talk about today. Uh, a huge development coming to town, uh, coming to the county. Uh, we're going to talk about opioids a little bit and um, what that has to do with county government. And we also want to talk a little bit about COVID-19, do our weekly update. But we want to start off with this development that was in front of uh, Commissioner's Court this week. It's called Legacy Shores around Lake Palestine that's coming. And, Judge, this is going to be a big one. It truly is, Michael. This particular piece of property is about 274 acres in size, almost 100 lots, and all on Lake Palestine. I mean, it's really amazing um, at what the demand for property in Henderson County is bringing us in terms of growth these days. Yeah, um, we we talk about that. Even during COVID, when things were kind of slowed down just about everywhere, the um, the the real estate market in Henderson County was booming. Oh, man, it was. I believe back in July, there was one week that there were 300 property transactions that took place or that was handled at the appraisal district. One week, one 300 week. properties. Now, this is important for so many different reasons, but one of them uh, I know for taxpayers mm-hmm. is that is this idea of the value Correct. of your property and the way that's figured by the state, mm-hmm. not local, by the way, right. not, not our friend Bill Jackson over <laughs> in the right. appraisal district, but the state rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about what someone will pay for it, not what you paid for it. So right. if I have a $100,000 house and I haven't put anything into it, I could say, well, how can it be worth more than 100000 I bought it for 100000 I haven't done anything big to it. It's still the same. Well, yeah. if somebody from Dallas wants to come down and buy your house for $190,000, that's guess the market what, value. Guess what your house is going to be appraised at? Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to understand the valuation process, its sole purpose is to ensure equitable state funding for education. That is the sole purpose of what they call the property study, which is the benchmark that the state comes up with for the properties in the area of which the appraisal district has to meet or state funding is cut to our local school districts. Right. If that's how, so the whole process is set up to benefit the schools. And if our local appraisal district does not assess enough taxes, Mm -hmm. according to the state, they'll penalize not the appraisal district, but the school district. That is correct. Very know. interesting. <laughs> the difference between program. the carrot and the stick, you know, uh, remember yeah. that analogy? Right. I'm, let's not get into the fact but, that the more <laughs> money that the school district raises locally, the less money that the state has to send. Right. And their vested interest in watching uh, local property taxes go up, that's a totally different subject. It we've is. Gotten, it is. We're getting well, away. We're, we, we got, yeah, we it's, went... 
We went, I went, and I'm going to blame myself. We were going down the road, and I just went, woo, down that dirt road right over there to the left. We have a fantastic development coming to Henderson yes, County. Yes, let's talk that Legacy Shores. And the other big thing about this is this is the first time a development of this size is coming in under some of the new development rules that the right. county has put into place to like ensure that these developments are are done the right way and so this is really an important uh an important project it really is because we put the uh, the genesis of our current subdivision regulations were in 2008 and they were updated in 2018 there was always a issue or has been an issue in Henderson County um up until then of fairly unregulated growth when it comes to developments. Um there's a there's an old saying about how Cedar Creek Lake and Lake Tawakany taught the state of Texas how not to develop. And that's because it was very laissez faire. If you had a bulldozer ten dollars and a survey, uh you had a development. And in 2008, we corrected that. But what makes this one so interesting is that it uses a construction bond to guarantee that the project will be complete. I mean, the construction costs are estimated on this particular subdivision to be at $2.3 million for the infrastructure. Yeah, that's not the houses. That's just the infrastructure of the project. That's just the infrastructure of the project. And, um, of course, we require a 120% bond due to possible inflation if it is not completed. So they bonded for $2.7 million. Now, this, this, um, development comes at a time on Lake Palestine where you, you have this farmland, uh, land that is ag-exempt that's actually being brought into the market and uh, bringing homes, bringing individuals. Uh, the east side of the county uh, be commuting to Tyler, could be staying at home and working from home in this new age and time. But it is a win-win for Henderson County every which way you look at it. And it's a really good developer, too. It's a developer with a great track record. It is. Patton and them are out. The ones that we have looked at are down at Huntsville. Um, they were a developer down there on a huge um, five to, um, it was either 500 to 1,000 acre development that was multi-phased over years. That is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I've spoke with their county judge down there about it because we've actually, in this incarnation, uh, been working on this about the last year. The actual property has actually tried to develop two or three times over the last 10 years, and it took a developer of this size and of this reputability, uh, reputation to come in and actually pull it off, have the resources and the capabilities to do it. Yeah, and these are not going to be small homes. These are these are higher-end homes, and I've noticed some of the lots are three, four, five-acre lots. Uh, they can be. There's even one lot that's 20 acres up off of the water. Uh, it is, you would assume by looking at the actual infrastructure being put in and the focus on the water line that I'm sure these will be the, the high-end which is great because all that's going to be again taxes for Henderson County. Henderson County, oh, the school is going to be a great ESDs, thing. Sure, it, it brings uh, capability to all of these entities that we have. Now, one thing I'm interested in, in, in something that you know you and I haven't discussed, is so you bring in a development of this t- this magnitude. 
Um, and so what happens with infrastructure like roads? I mean, how does that go? I mean, you know, I know that there is a problem all over the county where the smaller developments, you know, like you said, I've got 10 bucks and a bulldozer. I'm going, I'm a developer now. Right. And, and so you have these, um, you, you have these places where you have a road that's not really a road. Mm-hmm. That's been, you know, put together and you have three or four houses down the road and the road starts to deteriorate and you have school district buses that won't go down the road because it's tearing up the school district bus. And those folks who have now, the original people knew what was going on, but they sold the house to somebody who sold the house to somebody Mm -hmm. who sold house to somebody. And that person who's four times down now doesn't know that the road isn't really a road. And calls the county and says, how come you won't fix my road? We have that situation all over the county. We do. How do we prevent that or what's the plan with a development of this size when it comes to that? See, that very issue is what drove us on tightening up the subdivision regulations. You have to under, you have to remember in the 60s and 70s, the end thing was a private development restricted access so that only the roads were only dedicated to the use of the owners and their guests. That was what developed. That was the big thing, 60s and 70s. That's, um, you look back Cherokee Shores, you look, uh, Log Cabin, many of them across the county were developed in that fashion. And the actual requirements for the roadways being the actual infrastructure was so minimum that, you know, five to 10 years, was all that those were rated at having. And when you do have development of trucks running through and all that, those lesser roads become damaged and there is nothing backing them up to keep them up to shape. It's like anything. If you continue maintenance on something over time, it will increase the life of it. But without that maintenance and in private dedicated um, roads, there is not anything except for the development that can back that up. And because it is private by state law, the county is not allowed to go in on those privately dedicated roads. It's against the law. It is It is the exact same as if the county came and fixed your driveway all the way up to your door. That is illegal. Going on a private subdivision is the exact same thing in the eyes of the law. So... It was the subdivision regulations of that era that stayed in the place that were not um, very restrictive that allowed for multiple subdivisions to get built in that fashion. That's why we changed that to build out. Um, the only thing was it came several decades late, late to the game. I, I remember um, one of the um, lasting things that I remember that – uh, former county judge David Holstein did was put together a plan for those type of mm-hmm. subdivisions so that, okay, if you have that kind of subdivision, if you get the money together that you could get the county to come in and do work. If I remember the, am I remembering this correctly? 
Uh, there were there were two uh, there were two ideas. Um, um, Judge Holstein felt like um, what we need to do, and it's actually a, an action in law that will allow them, the property owners, to create a region where they tax themselves to be able to build the roadway. Uh, that uh, I think there was one in one area that tried to bring that in at that time. Um, what I had came up with was that we created the cooperative road program, which is because the county is over 50,000 in population. The commissioner's court has the authority to declare roads to be public based off of the evidence presented. Now, that evidence being a plat, you look on the plat, it says private, you can't make that declaration so that would have that has to be changed number two does the public continually use the roadway unabated is it truly a public use road you have to take several things such as those as examples into consideration if they pass that criteria then through the cooperative road program the area can gather the money based off the estimate created by um, the commissioner of the area. And if they can come up with the funding for the reconstruction of the roadways, the county will can come in, declare the road public, and then use its labor and equipment to build the road while using the property owner's donation of funds. Yeah, and then build the that road to the standard it should have been at the beginning. And then it becomes then under it comes county, a county road. There's also the original two-year program where if they are public, if all of those first things, because that is the key. The plat says private, mm-mm, it's got to say public, which can be amended to be done. And it, considering other evidence of traffic, travel, right. all of that, there's the two-year program where the county does not do the work, but the property area, the owners and all that, hire a contractor to bring the road up to county specifications where it sets for two years after completion. At the end of that probationary period, then the county can bring it in to the system. All right, so, so I guess we go through all that to say... <laughs> this is why we like these big developments. I was going to say, this is why we, we go through all that to say, these are the kinds of things that have been going on around the county for years, mm-hmm. trying to figure out these kind of problems and why the changes to the rules of development happened in 2008 and 2018, and why this development is so... Uh, important and, right. and such a milestone for the county because it gets us past those old sort of problems right. we used to have. You know, these subdivisions have to be um, engineered by a licensed engineer so that you have proper um, hydraulic flow of the ditches because a ditch is the life of the road. If it is not uh, properly designed, guess what? People get water in their house. Um, this takes into account that, no, you cannot fill in that drainage area. It's Yes, it'd be a beautiful home site if the creek wasn't there, but if you <laughs> you fill it in, if you put it where there's a lot there and they fill it in and put their house in it, guess what? Water comes through their front door. It's all of these things that were not taken in consideration prior to our current set of um, subdivision regulations that had its genesis in 2008 is why when we see developments like this, we go, thank you, Lord. It's beginning to go. I'm just laughing because 
I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how many times I've heard you say that the last property sold in the development <laughs> drainage lot is the drainage lot. That's yes, right. Yes, sir. Always, 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 always. You think you got a deal, but mm-hmm. you didn't. <laughs> okay, let's move on, and we're going to talk about uh, something that um. You know what? I don't know anything about. So I am going to, um, like give you the setup. Okay. And then I'm just going to sit back and listen because I don't know much about this at all. But, uh, opioids were a topic of conversation for commissioners this week. It was, and it has been, um, off and on, even during the time of COVID. Um, opioid, I don't know if many folks know or not, but there is a, um, joint civil action. Uh, against op- opioid manufacturers, um, distributors, many of them out there. Purdue Pharmacy, uh, Pharmaceuticals is one of the, the larger producers. Uh, there has been action taken that, um, as many understand, that um, information was held about the addictiveness of um, opioids, and we all know about how that explosion over the last 10 to 15 years has been felt. Um there has been action taken civilly against them for reimbursement of costs due to damages because of the false advertising, uh, the limiting of information that has been put out there on the effects of it. And it's very similar to the tobacco lawsuit of the 90s, you know, um, it, the tobacco suit of, of then went from the mid-90s for damages all the way back to the beginning of time it, the use of tobacco. This is very targeted because of when opioids came on the market. There is that period of time, and there were um, society has been damaged. So there have been a suit filed in many states to bring um, compensation to governmental entities, cities, uh, communities, hospitals, and things to recoup the cost of treating this. Henderson County joined in with this uh, two years ago, and it has been slowly working through this process. And I believe the Attorney General of the state of Texas joined in roughly about a year ago uh, to come in. And they're beginning to formulate a settlement agreement now, and we were reviewing the agreement because it is a starting point. And this is where we review and sign on to it. it sets forth, just like with the tobacco program, where there was an initial payout of which Henderson County received right at a million dollars on for the tobacco for the tobacco, and um, that was to um, compensate the county for years past. And it's because of us having a hospital, the Henderson County Memorial Hospital, and the fact that we have an authority. Um, here we were or the county was reimbursed that and then there was the trust fund that based upon expenditures and things year over year over year uh, the county gets somewhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars a year out of that because of the continued uh, treatment of um, tobacco-based injuries and of course that's worked between the county and the authority to get it where it needs to go they're setting the same thing up with opioids because uh, opioids impact the jail, they impact hospitalizations, society as in a whole, and we are looking at that same template of the tobacco settlement but dealing with opioids. I know that I've asked um, 
Sheriff Hillhouse before, you know, it, it's not a secret that the biggest drug in Henderson County is methamphetamine, and that mm-hmm. is our biggest problem is meth. Right. Um, he unofficially put number two at prescription drugs, which in, is the opioid, opioids. That's our opioids. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about opioids. We're talking about prescription drugs and how um, addictive they are mm-hmm. and how um, the the um, uh, drug manufacturers withheld information and pushed and dumped a lot of opioids mm-hmm. into areas. How long, I mean, this is a process that's been taken, you say, already a couple of years. Yes. So I'm, I'm guessing we're still, this is still just process. It is still just process, but it is a very important process because for the, for the prior two years, other than uh, a little bit of communication back and forth, basically it's been silent while the legal system works and the negotiations and things have taken place. We are now at that point where that, it has at least a starting point has been drawn with a template of this is what we're looking at and the the judge the attorneys all of that can begin because it is a lot of them yeah but it this is, is a really good first step this is Fantastic. that this is that you know okay we are now entering phase 2 right kind of a feel to it that's right and um we Texas is unique in the fact of how uh, it deals with some of this because we have 254 counties, and um, the law allows us to do that, um, to enjoin in these type of actions. And it's very beneficial for um, a county to be able to do that, to be able to bring in outside counsel because in small counties and even in larger counties, you know, there are so many different um, specialties in in the legal process, much like the medical field. Sure. You, know, you can specialize in these areas. But remember, counties and government are geared for criminal action. Right. We have prosecutors. We have prosecutors. That's what we're geared for. This is a civil matter. Right. Which is something that is not within... If there's 254 counties, maybe four or five counties in the state have the capability of having good civil attorneys. And I imagine even something like this, because I even believe the attorney general had to use outside counsel sure. on. So uh, having this ability is a, is a blessing for us. But with every blessing, there can be a, a curse, too, sure. if it's not used judiciously. Sure. All right. Well, that's really interesting, and we'll keep an eye on that. Mm-hmm. That's something we'll be hearing about later on. And if you hear, uh, I'm sure it's statewide news Yes, that this is going on. So if you hear anything about, you know, the opioid uh, lawsuits or whatever, know that your county is involved in that and, you know, has a vested interest in what's going on. That's right. All right. So let's finish up with our COVID-19 update. We do just about every week and, um, we're kind of in the same place we were. We're slightly up again. This is that thing where we keep on saying we're slightly up, but you stack three weeks worth of slightlies and, you know, it starts to, it starts to make a difference. And it does, you know, um, at the, our last time we spoke, we were in the seventies, you know, now we're in the nineties. Uh, we bottomed out at at 56. Now, what we're talking about is hospitalizations. hospitalizations. Thank you. Uh, that That is correct. Within the TSAG, which is almost a million people, um, 
we bottomed out at 56 uh, back at the earlier part of April, April 8th. But now we have rebound, rebounded to the 27th uh, to be at 97, which 97 is uh, about one-third of the summer height. Oh, yeah. You know, way back there in the beginning. But um, uh, And only like one-sixth of where we were in January. Exactly. January was such a terrible month. Right. Um, but it is, it's kind of rolling, you know, just little rolling waves. But we've started that kind of upward climb, which we've seen before, and it led to higher marks. The thing that's different today than it was before is how effective um, vaccine rollout has been. Matter of fact, it's, it's even with Johnson Johnson coming back on, uh, you can see on the news and everywhere else that, hey, the, we have more vaccines now than we actually have demand to receive them. Yeah, so let's talk, okay, so let's finish up this right now. So where we are is we're, we're pretty similar to where we've been mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. Ticked up a little higher. Come on guys, keep on being mm-hmm. aware. Um, I, I, and I'll admit I'm as bad as everybody else. I sometimes get that idea that COVID is over. Right. It's not over. We're in a good place right now, but we want to stay in a good place. So let's continue to social distance. Let's continue to make sure we're washing our hands and doing those kinds of things. Let's continue to um, pay attention to um, the rules because there are still places that are requiring masks. Mm-hmm. When you come in, I know, um, in fact, I got a message from TVCC asking me to put out that, um, you know, they got a football game Saturday and the rules say you can't come in without a mask. So please yeah. make sure you have a mask when you go to the football game. Um, you know, those kinds of things are, are still important. So let's, let's make sure we concentrate on those, but let's talk about the vaccine for a second because mm-hmm. we're in a really interesting place where it's the county is doing really well in getting people vaccinated. However, the county had to cancel this week's vaccination clinic. You know, we we had two clinics scheduled with the Texas Division of Emergency Management and the Department of the Texas Military. And these were going to be the walk-up clinics. No registration, just walk up and get a shot. Well, there were 25 individuals from the state running it, plus uh, the 12 individuals of support from the county on the outside. And we were open from uh, 10 to 3. I believe, and we had 22 people show up. 22. Yeah. And when you're looking at that type of commitment of resources to only get 22, it was a real, it was a real, um, indicator to us that let's shuffle our attention and let's try to try a different route because we do have FCC clinics still operating. Incidentally, Net Health is now going to be coming into the county doing in Gum Barrel and I believe uh, Coffee City in the coming future. But we, to we have the capability and the vaccines we just got to get the folks to come get it yeah on top of what you're talking about i know that lakeland medical and mm-hmm. tvcc are going to be teaming up for a clinic in the beginning of april a drive-through clinic over at the college 
Plus, we know that um, doctors' offices and pharmacies mm-hmm. um, uh, have uh, vaccine on hand, a lot of them right now. So if you're in a position where you want to get vaccinated, you can get vaccinated. That's right. So the problem becomes now, not that we – like at the beginning of this, there were people who wanted to get vaccinated and we did not have – the vaccine available or the opportunities. Right. Now it's the other way around. We have the vaccine available and people are not getting vaccinated. Right. So how do we change that? Yeah, I mean, we have actually had a little over 37,000 doses administered in the county. Yeah, that's really good. That, that's really good. That's roughly 31%, almost 32% of the population that is eligible, meaning anyone that's over the age of 16, if you include the Pfizer capability there. So we're at 32% with having at least one vaccination. The uh, The issue is, is that that number, according to all the health experts from even our local doctors, to help truly get control of any outbreaks in the future, we really need a higher um, percentage to receive the vaccine. So I was talking to Dr. Doug Curran this week about this issue, Dr. Curran from Lakeland Medical, um, also the former president of the okay. state's medical association. Yes. Um, and he said that, you know, one of the reasons they're going to be doing their event over at the college is they're trying to push to make sure that younger people are getting the mm-hmm. vaccine. And the reason is because they become the reservoir for the virus, right? So the mm-hmm. younger people, we know for for whatever reason it is, the younger people seem not to get as sick mm-hmm. naturally. Right. Not as in much danger of the coronavirus, but they're the ones where the coronavirus is living. Mm-hmm. So they're the, he's worried about them being a reservoir, um, and that the vaccinations will take care of that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to limit the ability for the virus to, to mutate, to change, and to continue. And so, there are a lot of people in our community who are either young, so they don't think they need it, mm-hmm. or have already had the, the COVID-19 and believe that they have a natural immunity, which they do, but that's going to peter Could, out here after right, a little bit. Right over time. And they have not gotten their vaccinations. And so we have these people in these demographics who are like, hesitating on getting their vaccination uh, and everybody and and you know what i can especially when you see what happened with johnson and johnson mm-hmm. i can get a little bit of i understand um but all of our medical personnel all of the our medical officials here locally right. uh state and federally are saying they're safe get the vaccine yeah they do and Yes, we know all of Fauci. We know the news. We know all of that. Um, I I don't think I've ever heard that name. (laughs) Dr. Fauci. No. Uh, I'm saying talk to your local doctor. Yeah. Visit with them and base your decision off your conversation with the doctor that you know and you trust. 
I mean, because this is this is a personal decision about what you are going to do. And I know my medical provider said hey, you need to get the shot. I've talked to <laughs> I've talked to four local physicians here mm-hmm. in Athens, Texas, and I've gotten four times right. get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And it, it's what we have tried to do is to make it very easy for you to get the vaccine. And it is the, for us to do that, we mean to try to prevent that future loss. It, it is. I mean, the, 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 that's the thing. We've reached that point where now it's easy. Right. In the month of May mm-hmm. in Henderson County, you will have multiple opportunities to come through a clinic if you want. There are multiple doctors' offices that have the ability to give the vaccine. If you don't have a primary care physician, there are multiple pharmacies mm-hmm. that are giving the vaccine. If you don't want to go through there, they're making it. Like I said, there's going to be one at TVCC at the beginning of the month where you can drive through and never even get out of your car. That's right. I mean, you're, like you said. Everybody involved is trying to make this as absolutely simple and easy as possible. Right. And I understand that, yes, at the height of, as we said before, January was such a terrible, terrible month. Yeah, we had, what, a, you know, more than a dozen people die in Henderson County? Yes, and I can understand how one would say, well, we were fine during that time. Yeah. You know, and so I must be, I must be immune arguing with myself hey i made it through january i made it through meeting with all these people all this time why why do i need to get it apparently i'm immune to it you know you have Mm -hmm. these arguments with yourself and when you talk with the medical individuals uh, that will tell you well um your number wasn't up at that point you know when i say that you it wasn't meant at that time you didn't have the right contact, the right particular thing at that time to contract it doesn't mean that you can't contract it. Sure. And, you know, I get it. I made it through the hard time when it was so bad and I didn't get it. We're not we're not 10 feet tall and bulletproof, especially of those of us that are 50 and older. Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly right. And I we used to I be. Can, I can I can see just around the next bend. In fact, it's peaking around the bend, the number 60. I can see it. It's right, it's right there. And so, yeah, I definitely needed to be one of those. But I get what you're saying. I mean, it is easy to think that and yeah. to put it put it back. Um, but this is something that we don't want to wait on. You're not only helping yourself. You're helping the entire community by well, doing this. I know my wife told me being that since we're both old dads, you know, older yeah, life, old. Uh, my wife said to me, said, <laughs> You're going to do something because you're not leaving me here with these kids. <laughs> yeah, my wife has said something very similar. All right, folks. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this uh, this podcast up. Judge, thank you very much for giving us a chance to come in and see what's going on in our county government. Uh, interesting show. I didn't know about the opioid lawsuit, mm-hmm. uh, so that was great to catch up on that. And the big, uh, the big development out of Lake Palestine, something that's going to be very impactful for the county. So thank you for letting us in on that, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Michael.